If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. I'm going to do something today that I've only done once in this series. Um, I'm going to cover the entire chapter of Mark today. <laughs> chapter 13. I'm going, to, I'm going to cover the entire chapter of Mark. Tom Rogel's been around. You, you've been around me too long, Tom. And I promise I'm not going to hold you all day. It won't be long, right? But then Bishop Williams would say, who's to say how long is long? I'm not going to hold you long. Man, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mark chapter 13, I'll be reading out of the ESV. So it might read a little different than yours. And I'll be reading the entire chapter. I wrestled with whether or not I wanted to do this. But as I was going over it several times this morning, I just felt like the Lord say, told me to just read it, to just read it. And so I will. Tom, I'd like you to turn me down just a little bit so I'm not scared. <laughs> Beginning at verse 1. And as he came out of the temple, one of the disciples, his disciples said to him, Look, teacher. What wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. I want to give you some advance warning. If you don't have your Bible here today, you might want to nestle up against somebody uh, because I'm not going to be putting up passages today, but I'm going to be giving you a lot of scripture. All right, if you don't have your writing utensil out or your pen or pad, you need to take that out right now. You're going to need it. I'm going to give you reference scriptures that you can go back and look up, and that's what you should do. Amen? Yeah. All right, I'm continuing in verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you will say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then Jesus switches gears. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing here, standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, let, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are on the housetop not go down, nor enter into his house to take anything out. 
And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who, women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in the winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of all creation that God created until now and will never be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise, perform signs and wonders, and lead astray, if possible, the elect. Be on your guard. I have told you these things beforehand. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds of the earth, from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the end is near, even at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning unless he comes suddenly and finds you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Stay awake. May the Lord bless the hearer, reader, and doer of his most holy word. And all those that agree with that said, amen. amen. There are some passages of scripture that you just have to read. There's just so much going on in this text and so in order for me to do it justice, what I want to do is read the entire passage to set the context for you because now I have the opportunity of going in and picking out some key things that I believe you need to know because I believe that we are living in the day where we need to know the word of God for ourselves. Amen? I've titled this sermon today, Be Ready. Be ready. That's the overarching theme of this entire text, is to be ready. I think that might be my phone this time, honey. Last week was my wife. This week is mine. Okay. You guys ready? 
You know, um, my wife and I like going out to enjoy a good movie. And my grandson was here until yesterday. He had to fly back to, to Sitka. And we sat down, I think it was Friday on my day off, we went to watch Go Go Power Rangers. <laughs> now, it's not really Go Go Power Rangers, it's just Power Rangers. But if you remember the old cartoon, it was Go Go Power Rangers. You guys remember that? Okay, so we went to watch Power Rangers, man. And it was a great movie, I had a great time with my, with my grandson. But I noticed something. Have you noticed that before the movies, there seemed to be more trailers than ever? And, and, and so we sat down, and we were waiting for the movie, and trailer after trailer after trailer just kept popping up. And you know, a trailer is just really, it's just a, like a snippet. It's like a short version of a longer version of an event that you go to watch. And so, you know, my wife and I have this thing where we sit down, we watch trailers before the movie, and, and, and without fail, we look at each other and go, uh, no, we won't be watching that one. Or, hey, you know, hmm, we might check that out. Or, DVD, right? <laughs> or, no way are we going to watch this, right? And why does that happen? Because we can take a look at the trailer and get a snapshot or an overview, if you will, of the entire movie. Mark chapter 13 is God's trailer of what's coming up in our future. It's a snapshot. And our text today is a, is a vivid reminder for us because this deals with future events yet to come. And it's a reminder that we need to focus not just on the here and now, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be looking to the future. Our eternal hope doesn't rest here on this earth, y'all. Our eternal hope rests in our future. Every experience here, good or bad, is only temporary. Everybody say temporary. It's just temporary. Now, there are various views on this text. Um, I mean, there are many great theologians that have debated this text ever since Jesus spoke it 2,000 plus years ago. And, and, and I have some great friends of mine that fall on opposite sides of the, of the page as it relates to what's going to take place and what Jesus is talking about. And here's what I learned. I learned that none of us are the sum total of all knowledge. Right? And we need to respect the opinions and the views of others as it relates to Scripture. And so we don't have it all figured out. So there are various views of this text that have been discussed since Jesus spoke the first words in this text today. The rapture. Is it real? Are we raptured pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Is there a millennial reign? And if there is, when does it happen? Let me back up for a little bit. The rapture, is it really real? You better believe it's real. You better believe it's real. And the rapture and the second coming is an entirety, they're entirely separate events. And I want you to understand this. The rapture could happen anytime. The rapture could happen before I finish my next sentence. Before I finish my next sentence, before I'm just hoping Jesus comes back before I finish, finish, finish the sentence. Man, I can't wait for him to come back. 
The rapture could happen any time, but the second coming is an entirely different event. When will it happen? When will these things occur? There are questions about a lot of these things, but there is one truth that no follower of Jesus Christ should ever question, and that is, is Jesus coming back? Because he is. How many of you know he's coming back? So Jesus, as he unwraps this text here today in chapter 13, has given his disciples a snapshot, a trailer of a specific time frame in the future for, for the Jewish people in specific, but for us as well. He's given us a global picture for what the church is to expect regarding the end times. So Jesus comes out of the temple with his disciples. There are four of them. And as he's walking out, one of the disciples make a comment about how beautiful the buildings are. I have to think it's Peter. I just think Peter just, he's just, just that kind of guy, you know. I think it's Peter. And they make this comment. Look at the surrounding buildings, Jesus. Look at the magnificence of these buildings, and especially the temple. And then Jesus replies in verse 2, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And then Peter, James, and John, and Andrew pull Jesus aside. And they ask him two questions. And here they are. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to take place? Listen to me. This is important because Jesus' answer to them that he gives them goes far beyond the question that they ask, which dealt primarily with the destruction of the temple. No, instead, Jesus extends his answer to the end times and the signs of his imminent return. And so it's important for us to recognize that, that there's a dual application here to Jesus' answer. It's important for us to understand. Why? Because doing so will help us solve some of the difficulties of the discourse of this text and arrive at a solid interpretation of what Jesus is really trying to say. There's a dual application here. So first, the answer that Jesus gave his disciples applied to his people, events that his people, the Jews, were to face in the immediate future and in the long-term future. Now, let me be clear on something here. Let me be clear. I'm going to tell you what I believe. And, you know, you, you might believe something different, but I happen to have the mic today, so we good. I believe that it, as it comes, as it, as it relates to biblical history, everything that we will encounter as God's people in the end times is focused around what's going on with the children of Israel. It is centered around the nation of Israel. God's chosen people. As a matter of fact, if you think about this, family, when Jesus spoke these words to the disciples, the church as we know it hadn't even been created yet. It hadn't even been formed yet. So Jesus isn't talking about the church here, you know, directly. He's talking specifically about the events that will occur with the nation of Israel, of which we get to be either recipients of or we get to feel the repercussions of. You with me? Okay. So Jesus, when he was speaking, he was speaking of 
of historical events spoken about the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 24, or chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Write that down. Look it up a little later. And this is regarding the desecration and the destruction of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And this is what Jesus is referring to in verse 14 of our text when he speaks of the abomination of desolation. All right. Historically, what is the abomination of desolation? It's the desecration of the temple. And historically, the first desecration of the temple was back in 167 B.C. when a Syrian ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes erected an altar to a pagan god named Zeus, and he placed it over the altar of the burnt offerings in the temple, and he sacrificed a pig on it. Now, you know what the Jews believe about, about you know, hogs and things with, with hooves. You know, that was like desolation of the temple. And this was the first of, of several desecrations of the, temp, of the temple. So this wasn't new to the Jews. But what is new is Jesus now is telling the disciples about two more future events that are still yet to take place. You guys with me? Everybody say, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. The first is this. It's, it was the imminent overthrow or the destruction of, it, of Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70. The second application here is when Jesus, Jesus is talking about what's going to take place in the end times just before he returns. Now, let me be clear again. Jesus is speaking of prophetic outcomes specific to the nation of Israel, but God's plan ultimately affects every one of us who've been, who've been grafted in. Amen? All right. In our text, Jesus speaks of a, of a, of a seven-year period that you find back in the book of Daniel, that's in the future. And this, this seven-year period is known as, as a, the tribulation period. Now, now, this period is in accordance with, and write these scriptures down, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and then the entire chapter of Revelation 13. Let me repeat that. You already have the one in Daniel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and the entire 13th chapter of the Revelation. This tribulation period contains the rapture of the saints and the return of Christ to establish his kingdom on the earth as he ushers in his millennial reign. So remember, this, this text has a dual application. So what Jesus is providing for his disciples here in this text is both a short-term and a long-term application with implications of what's going to take place for the nation of Israel. You guys, this stuff excites me. I'm sorry, man. This stuff excites me, man. Wow. So Jesus is providing for us an exposition of the tribulation period. And it breaks down nicely in this text. Listen, he talks about the beginning of the tribulation period. That's verses 5 through 13. He talks about the middle of the tribulation period. That's verses 14 through 23. And then he talks about the end of the tribulation period. That's verses 24 through 37. Here's what he says about the beginning of the tribulation period. He says there's going to be an escalation of problems. 
There'll be religious deception all over the place. There'll be intense outbreaks of wars all over the place. There'll be famine and death. I'm going to tell you something. You can't even watch TV now without seeing a commercial of some disaster that's taking place or some hungry people, even in these United States. There'll be martyrdom. And there'll be world-class chaos. This is all in the beginning. Then in the middle, verses 14 through 23, in the middle of the tribulation, I just got to tell you, I'm a mid-trib guy. I believe the rapture is going to take place mid-trib. And here's what I mean by that. I believe that the return, just, just before the return of Christ, just before the return of Christ, the Antichrist, the man of sin, as the Bible calls him, is going to rise to power. Everybody in the world is going to know who this guy is. And in this, seven, in this period, the seven-year period, he's going to make a covenant with the nation of Israel, a peace treaty with the nation of Israel. And then halfway through this peace treaty, three and a half years into this peace treaty, he's going to, he's going to, to perform what the Bible says, the abomination of desolation. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to go into the temple, take control of the temple, stop all of the sacrifices, proclaim himself to be God, and then do abominable things in the temple. Three and a half years. And when this happens, family, all hell is going to break loose on the earth. This is what I believe. It's what I believe. There are those who believe that the tribulation is going to come and then the saints are going to be raptured. There are those that believe that the tribulation, right before the tribulation comes, the saints are going to be raptured. I believe that God's going to leave us here halfway through it, win as many souls as we can, and when the abomination of desolation happens before God pours out his full wrath, everybody say full wrath. I find nowhere else in history, in the history of the world, where God poured out his full wrath on the world. And it's going to happen. And when that happens, Brother Rob, I don't believe we're going to be here. I don't. I don't believe we're going to be here. And I say this, you might not want to be here for part two of the tribulation. <laughs> you might not want to be here for that. The second three and a half years, the tribulation period found in Revelation chapter 6, verses 8 through 9, and again in verse 16. Revelation chapter 6, verse 8 through 9, again, verse 16. Those who refuse to be identified with the Antichrist, those who refuse to take the mark of the beast, are going to enter into a persecution that verse, verse 19 tells us such has not ever been seen before and will never be seen again. Man, Lord, help me with this. Help me get this point across. Help me get this point across. Verse 20 of our text says that if the Lord had not cut the day short, no human being would be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he will shorten the days. 
the elect that we're talking about here are those that are going to be saved in the tribulation period. Those who, 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 are, who dare to come to faith in Jesus Christ during the tribulation period, these will be the elect, both Jews and Gentiles that come to faith during this period. Man, but there's something else that's, that's profound in this. I believe that this unparalleled persecution that takes place will also usher in an unprecedented time of the proclamation of the gospel. There are going to be more people saved. And there's going to be the, the, a greater harvest of followers of Jesus Christ during this period than in any other period of time in human history. Hmm. And then the end comes. Or verse 24 through 37. Let me read verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, everybody say that tribulation. That's what I believe is like the second three and a half years. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give us light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in heaven will be shaken. And then, everybody say then. Then, then will they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of great power and glory. Here's what's going to happen. All this chaos is going to be taking place, and Jesus is going to break through and create a dynamic disruption to all the chaos on the earth. Suddenly, every single eye is going to be able to see him. This is the second coming. This is not the rapture. The rapture of the saints have already been done. We're coming back with him. Okay. I, I really want to say something right now. I really want to say something, but some of y'all might think I'm not saved, so I'm not going to say it. Man, look, okay, Jesus has got a tattoo on his thigh, man. Don't you think he's bad? He's not coming to, he's not coming to take no prisoners, man. When he comes back, all this, you know, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that's done. He's coming back as a conquering king. And we're coming back with him. He's going to set up his reign. We're going to reign with him. And everything that we know in this present world that's been evil and causes problems and pain and chaos and suffering is going to be wiped away. Get that. That's our heritage. Amen? So what, what is the attitude that the believer must have leading up to these events? Jesus makes it very, very clear. Here's the first. Watch out. Watch out. Watch. Watch out. If my son was here right now, he would tell you that I taught both of my children from a very early age that no matter where you go, if you are by yourself or even if you're with us, no matter where you go, at every time, if it's a strange place, you go into observation mode. You know what observation mode is? That means I don't care how magnificent things are going on around you. You could be in a baseball game and it could be all electric. The first thing you do is walk in and take a look at your surroundings. See where the exits are. See, see what people are in front of you. Observe what's going on around you. 
Don't get sucked up into the hype of what's going on. Go into observation mode. Listen, watch out who, for who's watching you. That's observation mode. And as followers of Jesus Christ, he's saying, listen, watch out, man. Go into observation mode. Watch out. Verse 9, verse 23, verse 33, verse 35. Pay attention. Take careful notice. Be on guard. Jesus was warning his disciples to be on guard. For what, Jesus? Be on guard for what? He tells us. Messianic imposters. False prophets. Verse 5 and 6, be, see to it that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many. Everybody say many. many. They will lead many astray. Watch out. He was, remember, remember, dual application. He was telling his disciples that's what's going to happen. He's telling us today the same thing is happening, man. Man, listen, let me tell you something. I've been studying the scripture all day. I'm mean, not all day. Yeah, obviously all day. I've been studying the scripture all of my life. Man, there are some, man, there are some people that are, that are so twisted in their thinking of scripture, but they know scripture just well enough that if you don't know your scripture, they, man, it's like these cats can like talk paint off a wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Smooth with their presentation of their gospel. Jesus says, don't be deceived, man. Watch out for these guys. <laughs> I, you know, I went out and I, and, I, and I Googled, like, false prophets of our, of our time. Man, just Google it. It'll blow your mind. I just picked out, I picked out three that I remember personally. 1978, the Jonestown Massacre. I heard of several of you groan. 900 people, mostly American, followed Jim Jones over, I think, to Ghana, Africa, and drank cyanide-laced Kool-Aid and sat in the sun for a number of days because this man was preaching a gospel and said, follow me over here, and they went with him. Nineteen ninety-three, David Koresh of the Branch Davidian Group in Waco, Texas. These folk deliberately set fire to their compound after a after a standoff that lasted, I don't know how long it lasted, a fifty-one days. 51 days, they said, they set fire to the compound, killing 76 people. 1997, the Heaven Gates cult. Marshall Applewhite, son of a Presbyterian preacher. Man, 39 dead, mass suicide, committed suicide in order to, to to, for their spirit to reach this extraterrestrial ship that's supposed to be following the, the tail of the Haley Bop, Bop Comet. How do you go from being a Presbyterian preacher to craziness like that? But Jesus said if it's possible, if it were possible, they would fool the even very elect. There are false prophets out there, man. The Bible tells us to be watchful. 
The implication of this and found in, in, found in verse 35 is this. Never, ever, ever fall asleep or go unconscious spiritually. Never. Never. And then, and then, and then Mark goes on to tell us using the Roman um, style of time. He says, listen, stay awake morning, noon, and night. Don't allow yourself to go to sleep. Then Jesus goes on to say, don't misinterpret current events such as wars and natural disasters as an indication that the end is near. People have made that mistake over the years. So Jesus tells us in verse 8, these things must take place, but the end is not yet. In fact, they're just the beginning of birth pains. How many mothers in the house here? Okay, how many fathers in the house? Man, let me tell you something. When was, when was Zion born? February something. Okay, so my granddaughter was born like early February. I think it's February 9th, right? I hadn't, had, I hadn't had a child in a long time. My youngest is like 30. The wife says it's February 8th. She thinks. Maybe neither one of us know you. You know, that's sad. Stop, Rob. Okay, so check this out. So, so it's been a while for me, right? So, I, you know, my wife calls me and says, you know, um, Jenny's in labor. And so I, I, you know, I go up to the hospital and, and I walk in the room. My son's there. And my son, he's like, you know, he's like, because he, I mean, this, he, this is the first time that Jenny's been pregnant. So he's like, he's like, he doesn't know what to do, right? And, and she's, she's in labor, man. You know how you get, you get, you get, uh, you get some, a break and then all of a sudden those labor pains hit you again? And man, okay, so it, what it reminded me of was when, was when my daughter was born. And when my wife was in labor, when those hard labor, you guys know what those hard labor pains that come like, like really close to each other? Y'all ladies know what I'm talking about, right? Praise God I'm a man. That's all I got to say. <laughs> man, those hard labor pains that and. And they hit, and my wife's face got distorted, and I promise you, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I will never do this to you again, ever. <laughs> I did, man. Birth pains, birth pains, birth pains, birth pains. Birth pains are an indication that something is coming, right? Something's coming to the world. What's the point? You cannot mistake when birth pains are there. Whether you're a man or a woman, when birth pains happen, there's no mistake what's going on. And Jesus is telling us, listen, you have no excuse to be caught by surprise. None. No excuse to be caught by surprise. Beware of the signs. Beware of your surroundings at all times. Watch this now. Pay attention to what's going on with the nation of Israel. Here's the second point. Stand firm. It's time for us to determine to take a stand right now, family. Like I said, I believe we could enter into the tribulation period any day. There are so many peace treaties and agreements going around right now. 
And we don't know which one is going to be the one. I believe we could enter into the tribulation period anytime. And I always say this, you know, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong and the rapture is pre-trib? <laughs> Man, better know your God and know what you stand for and know what you believe because if God leaves us here for even half the tribulation period, we're going to have to have the word of God on the inside of us and we're going to have to be able to stand. <laughs> Lord, please let this thing be either pre-trib or mid-trib. I do not want to be left here. Man, you guys read the Revelation? Did you see some of the stuff that's going to happen? Man, they got, they got creatures. I, I don't want to see none of those things. I don't want to see any of them, man. Okay. During the Great Tribulation period, hear me now, because this is why I believe, this is why I believe the full wrath of God will be poured out in the second half of the tribulation period. During the great tribulation period, that's the second half of the, of the seven-year period, the people of God and the permanent presence of the Spirit of God is going to be withdrawn from the earth. And I'm telling you, man, we think we have a bad right now. When that happens, man, I can't even imagine it. I really can't even imagine it. Can you imagine walking around and not even being able to sense the presence of God? Wow. Stand firm. That's the second point. Here's the third and final point. Proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Verse 10 says this, Jesus says this, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Man, I'm going to tell you something. Man, I've been wrestling with something for about three months. I mean, wrestling hard over this. Now, I'm, I love people. I'm a pastor. I love pastoring you. I love shepherding you. I love coming here on Sunday and, and, and being with you. You're my family. I love meeting with you and walking with you through your crises and your time of need. I love that. God knows that's my heart. But, man, I tell you, man, my heart is breaking for people who don't know Jesus. And I've been asking God, God, where do you want to place me where I can have the maximum impact with the time that I have left to the lost? Not, I mean, I love you guys. Don't get me wrong. I love you guys. But, man, you guys, I'm, I'm going to spend eternity with you. There are people that are lost and dying every day. And, and man, the Holy Spirit is convicting me that I'm spending the majority of my time with you guys. And you know what? I think he's, he's talking to some of you right now. And I know that the Holy Spirit can do a mighty work, but statistics show that, that man, I'm 57, so I've got a 20-year span of people I can reach. I can reach people all the way up to 67 and all the way down to 47. I mean, easily I can reach those people. 
But I can't relate fully to the guys that you can relate to, man. And you, Nathan. You, Zach, Tammy. Jamie. Mitch. You guys can reach down and grab the, the 20 year olds and the, and the 40 year olds. What are you going to do? Time's running out. Jesus is coming back. And I don't want, man, I don't want to stand before God knowing that I have the opportunity to tell someone about the gospel only to not tell them anything and then they have to go through all of the hell that's going to take place in the great tribulation period and then die and possibly go to hell. Help me, Lord. So I'm going to challenge you with these questions today. And Mitch, please come to the piano. Or whatever you're going to play, probably the piano. What does the coming of Jesus mean to you? Does it just mean you're going to go to heaven? Or is there a longing in your heart for more? How often do you think about it? The older I get, the more I think about it, Gloria. Do you build your plans and dreams in light of the truth that life here is only temporary? Man, listen, we are pilgrims passing through this place. This place is not our eternal home. We can't allow ourselves to get entangled and enmeshed with the things of this world and trapped to thinking that what's in front of us is all that matters because it's not. Are you totally vested, entangled in this world? Are you ready for Jesus to come back? I thought I was, but I'm not. I'm not. And it's not that I don't that I don't know that my eternal home is going to be in heaven. I know that. When I die, I'm going to heaven. I, I know Jesus, and he knows me. Matter of fact, I think he, he looks at me when I get up in the morning and says, he's getting up, look, angels, he's getting up. I think he loves me, man. But I'm not ready to go because I think God has more work for me to do to reach people who don't know him future brothers and sisters in Christ that I've not met and they have no idea that they're going to give their life to Jesus and God's going to use me to spread the gospel to them, to proclaim the gospel to them. What about you? What about you? What about you and you and you and you? 
you. Can you stand with me? I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture, and then Carl's going to dismiss us today. And I'm going to move this podium out of the way, and Mitch, I'd like for you to continue to play softly after I dismiss. And if you're here and you want prayer today, I don't care what it's for. Maybe you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus because you haven't before. Maybe you thought you had until today, and you want to be sure. Today's your day, man. Today's your day, ma'am. And I heard a number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali. 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon. 12,000 from the tribe of Levi. 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar. 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, and 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Father, I want to thank you for your word today. Thank you that we who know you have your spirit dwelling on the inside of us that will not allow us to be satisfied with the status quo. Holy Spirit, you are the lead and the guide. You are the protector and the director of our lives and our hearts. And I'm asking you now that you will lead us and guide us to those who don't know you. So that we can share with them of the good news of Jesus. So that when you come back for them, whether it's through cracking the sky or through our mortal death here that we'll be ready and they'll be ready. In Jesus' name.